Ladies and gentlemen. Oh no! no wait, how I, was you? Uh, what? <laughs> I, I was just, I was just gonna say, you got to, you got to do a Dave Mustaine intro. It has no. to be done. No, this is gonna be the intro right here, where I start to do an intro and you interrupt me. That's oh. gonna be. <laughs> that's Ladies gonna be the and intro. gentlemen. <laughs> I can't do a good Dave Mustaine. Maybe you do it. You, you do Should. the intro this time. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Hello, me. It's me again, Andy from Cranked Ranked. You're, you're listening to fucking Cranked Ranked or some shit. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, butter. <laughs> welcome to Cranked and Ranked or some shit, according to Dave Mustaine. Um, yes, welcome. That was Eddie doing his uh, Dave Mustaine impression. I am Steven, a.k.a. Old Head, not doing any Mustaine impression because I think it, mine would be really bad. Um, but yes, yeah, so obviously, just right out of the gate, we, uh, we've let everyone know, if, in case you don't know how to read, uh, that we uh, are going to be ranking Megadeth. Uh, Hell yeah. Our, our second of the big four to get ranked on this podcast. and Officially. Um, re- officially. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And honestly, I like it that we're spacing these out and not just blowing yeah. them all out at once. And um, and so, yeah. And honestly, with Megadeth, I didn't know until recently that Megadeth is one of your favorite bands. Yep. Yeah. Top five. Yeah. So, um, and I, they're a band that, well, we'll get into this later. Um, at one point, I would have considered them probably one of my favorite bands, but I don't now. But I do. I am a fan for sure. Um, so, yeah. For those of you, this is the with the worst intro, but um, for those of you who happen to be new listening to this podcast, Cranked and Ranked is a podcast where two people, me and Eddie, we rank discographies and other things that are rock and metal related, um, and it's just a discussion. We get to basically break down the careers of these bands, and um, yeah, it's just a, it's a good conversation, and honestly, the ranking um, is uh, only partially important. The big thing is taking these albums and really talking about them and how they fit in with all the other albums that the same band made in their career. And um, I I think this is going to be an interesting one, honestly, because Megadeth is one of those bands that um, I know people that love them totally, and I know people that hate them totally, and I know people that are split down the middle where they love some of their stuff a lot and they hate some of their other stuff. There, there, There seems to be... Um, it's a it's a band that has a uh, drastic differences in opinions. Yeah, uh, for for depending on who you're asking, but I do feel like there are a lot of big Megadeth fans out there. They're also like there's always going to be that Megadeth Metallica comparison because you know I, would you say that's the biggest feud in rock and metal or at least at least metal. The feud, I think the feud is between fans. Yeah, I don't think the yeah, feud yeah. has anything to do... Because honestly, that's, that's the weird thing, is that I am a massive Metallica fan. They're my favorite band. And I don't give two shits about where yeah. what happened with Megadeth. Like, like I, I'm one of those people that thinks, oh, now we got two great bands. I'm totally with you. 
Yeah, because some people are like, oh, what if what if Dave never got kicked out? Would we have, like, a better Metallica? Like, no, you'd probably just have a slightly different-sounding Metallica with the absence of a fucking other great band, you know? Yeah, I just... I really do think that somebody made a good point. I think it was on the old head bangers group that um, if Dave had stayed in Metallica or hadn't been kicked out of Metallica, he would eventually have left on his own. Yeah, And I think that that's true. I think Megadeth would have happened no matter what. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I, I understand, um, it being a, a topic that people like to discuss. I don't understand the, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The venom that people spit about it. Yeah. Cause it's, I, 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 it doesn't matter. It literally yeah. doesn't matter. And, and it ranges from people, you know, just hating on Metallica or, or Lars usually, yep. or on the, on the other end, everyone po- likes to point out that Dave Mustaine co-wrote some songs with Metallica, which my favorite one is people make the assumption that he wrote all of their old songs. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he co-wrote, yeah. <laughs> he co-wrote like five, yeah. maybe six. And on top of that, if you listen to the difference between uh, mechanics and the four horsemen, you can see where the talent in songwriting lies. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I know this is a Megadeth podcast, but uh, Four Horsemen is a way better song than the mechanics. And I love the mechanics. I think it's great. But if you're if you're putting them on a scale, I'm sorry. That motherfucker's fl- the mechanics is flying off the scale because of the yeah. weight of the four horsemen. Um, anyway. I don't want to be that you know controversial right out of the gate, but um, <laughs> today I, I just want to really what we what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the Megadeth catalog, and um, unfortunately, along with that, you're going to hear some shit talking from me, and um, <laughs> because well, plenty comes from Dave, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because they're they're a band that I I I do feel passionate about because they put out some albums that are some of my favorites ever made and then other ones to me are disappointing and other things about their albums that we'll get into are also disappointing and so me being a passionate music fan I speak passionately about things but I try not to be an asshole I I try anyway if anybody out there thinks that I'm an asshole just let me know this is this is this is how I kind of approach things if if something gives someone value no matter how much i might dislike it it clearly has value to someone else so yeah absolutely even if even if i don't like it i'm not going to try and you know wish it out of existence it's like i i can't i just cannot wrap my head around grime as a genre but i'm not taking that away from anyone who does like it it's just it's just not my cup of tea (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it it's all about. I think it's just being mature about the yeah. things that you like and dislike, and so, um, yeah. So there, there you go. I don't. It, it's so funny that it, this is the epi- this is an episode where I feel that needs to be discussed because it seems like <laughs> a lot of Megadeth fans are not very mature. <laughs> so, um, a, a, an overwhelmingly large amount seem to be not very mature. But anyway. Um, today is going to be the first half of our Megadeth ranking. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing all of their studio albums, plus in order to even it out, we're also including the uh, Hidden Treasures 
I get, would that be an EP? It's almost an album. It's long enough. I'd, I'd call it, I suppose it would be a, a compilation. Yeah, it's but, a compila- compilation of B-sides um, yeah. that, that Megadeth did. So we're including all of those. So that means we're halfing it up into two episodes, eight and eight. So today is going to be 16 down to number nine. Um, so let's just, you know, that's, that's a lot to tackle. So without further ado... Mr. Addy Sparks, start us off as usual with your number 16, the dead last Megadeth album. Okay, so my number 16 is number 13. <laughs> okay, 13. So this is the first Megadeth album that came out when I'd actually gotten into, into metal. Okay, and, which is, um, this was in 2011 when this one came out. Yeah, so I'd gotten into metal the year prior in 2010, and I knew a few Megadeth tracks, and I loved what I'd heard. Mm-hmm. But I think the main reason this one is so low for me is also kind of a personal reason. It was it was released during the I'll, I've referred to it before. There was a difficult time in my life around ten. 11 and 12 2010 11 and 12 uh this came out slap bang in the middle of all that and it just has a certain aura around it unfortunately but i tried to push that aside as much as i possibly could and Mm -hmm. analyzed it but i also came back with the idea that yeah this belongs at the bottom of my ranking for a few reasons and i think yeah i'm just gonna go into my track by track and even even this bottom pick, I don't hate it. I don't hate it, and that's the yeah. That's the I, thing. I, I I would say that I don't full on hate any Megadeth album. Like there, yeah. like there's no there are things about them that I could pick out that I think are not very good. But overall, every Megadeth album has something that I enjoy in it, for sure. Um, so yeah, um, sudden death was specifically written. Uh, if I remember correctly, for Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock as oh, the wow, final okay. as the final boss song, and um, it also has pretty much exactly the same main riff as uh, Dream Theater's Enemy Inside, which would come out two years later, mind you, though. So that's that's oh. that's uh, uh, John Petrucci might have uh, subliminally plagiarized it, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It, where am i it's okay it's not nearly as good uh an opener as dialectic chaos this day we fight which opened the previous album yeah um yeah you can kind of tell it was tacked on at the time because it had that recognition from the game i would imagine um public enemy number one now this should have opened the record because to be honest this is a this is a tune. This is a fun yeah. hard rocker. And this this song is a good example of what I mean about how every album has something. There's always one, at least one track on every Megadeth album that I go, that's a fucking banger. And, yeah. and Public Enemy Number One is one of the one, one of those. Yeah, it. Uh, Whose life is it anyways? Is a punky thrasher that actually has it has a very sex type thing pre-chorus. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we the people it, it's an okay modern megadeth song i think a lot of this album is okay that's why i've put it here mm-hmm. um because i'm so used to megadeth being phenomenal um 
guns, drugs, and money. It's a tad more entertaining than the previous song, but it's it's still a bit underwhelming. Never Dead starts spooky and goes into a killer thrash song. I've got to give them credit there. Um, now, New World Order. Now, this is why this album, I feel, is a bit disjointed. Um... New World Order is one of the one of the two tracks on the record written almost 20 years before its release mm-hmm. because there are demos of New World Order and Millennium of the Blind from the Euthanasia sessions. Yeah. And clearly I, I guess they finally wanted to put these out but were also looking for songs to fill up the record. Um I I I don't remember reading I can't remember reading something I might be making this up. Uh, was there a thing around the time that said hey we we were kind of like looking for things we were running low on a few ideas kind of short our load on endgame? Not that I remember. Yeah. But honestly, that's a practice that I think is pretty cool. Like if I was in a band Oh, for sure. And I like, let's say we had just started our you know, big careers. We're signed to a label. We've got some, some, you know, hype behind us. We're making some albums. I would hold on to every discarded, you yeah. know, idea that I thought was pretty good because that's great because it, I, I have no problem with people going back to old stuff that they've written because sometimes something, you know, you'll write a really good, you know, my, my problem I have a lot with writing songs is I'll write a really good verse and every chorus i try to come up with i go that's not fucking good enough yeah. and so <laughs> my problem is i delete shit if i hold on to those and then two three years down the line i'll come back and be like i know where that needs to go and I'm so a hoarder. yeah yeah uh, that, I, I should do that but I, I so i i think that's cool when bands do that because there's no it's, it's still your shit who gives a fuck when you wrote it so there's been a few times in bands and stuff where um and even on like solo music i'm working on is that I have so many ideas now saved and every now and again I'll end up just Frankensteining two together and it either pays off or doesn't, but that's that's yeah. all part of the fun. <laughs> there are I mean, there are some legit classic songs. I I can't think of a particular one, but I know there there they exist where um two parts do not go together at all, but then when the song comes together with vocals and other things, all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, of course, this is the way the song needed to sound. But yeah. if you take two parts away from each other, you're like, no fucking way. So anyway. Um, yeah, so you get uh, Fast Lane. It's a fun Judas Priesty kind of metal song, but ironically, the highlight of Fast Lane is the slow breakdown riff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, Black Swan, melodic metal track. Wrecker, it is fun. Nothing to write home about, but not terrible. The, the, the lyrics are pretty funny. Yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't matter what car you drive, she'll, she'll wreck, wreck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, millennium, bleh, bleh, Millennium Ooh. of um, Millennium of the Blind. Uh, this was the other one written for Euthanasia. Um, Deadly Nightshade. Now this song sounds like Alice in Chains wrote in a Gutter de Vida by Iron Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> That's, wow. Megadeth yeah. writing Alice in Chains, writing Iron Butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I, I really honed in on it. I thought, this is like some kind of parallel universe song here. Um, how, how far removed are they from Kevin Bacon on that one is what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, the, and then finally you get the uh, title track, 13. 
which is a kind of storyteller song done mm-hmm. in the most Megadeth way possible. <laughs> but yeah. um, all in all, when I stacked it up next to the rest of the discography, it just didn't cut it as much, and I felt like it had the least amount of bangers on it. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, I, I think the strongest songs on here are uh, Public Enemy Number One, mm-hmm. Never Dead, and the two Euthanasia songs. If that had yeah. been like an, if that had been an EP, it would have been like it probably would have been higher. But yeah. yeah. Also, something interesting to point out that I think is important to say because at this point we're talking about 2011, so we're you know way into Megadeth's career. I mean, their first album came out in 1985, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the word thrash, and Megadeth are one of the big four of thrash metal, but I, especially now going back and listening to all of their stuff, I would say that Megadeth has not made a thrash metal album since 1990. Yeah. Like, even though they have thrashy songs and thrashy elements, every album still maintains a little bit of of Dave Mustaine kind of wanting to write some hooks and slow things down a bit. And there are other elements brought in. And which is fine because honestly, in my opinion, that's what makes great thrash. But if you're going to be really strict with what thrash metal is, then uh, Megadeth are no longer one of those bands. They're just a metal band, which makes them even better, in my opinion, because. You know, when you get stuck in a genre, uh, it it gets boring. But um, For sure. the big thing about 13, when it came out, was that that was the album where Dave Ellefson came back into the band. Yeah. Because um, he wasn't there for like two or three albums, maybe four albums. It was a, it seemed like a little while he wasn't in the band anymore. And yeah. he was the, you know, one of two Daves that fucking started the band. Mm. So, um, and, and he's back now. I mean, he's been back and he's still a full member of the band. But um, but I agree with a lot of what you said about thirteen. But thirteen's not my number sixteen. Uh, my number sixteen. So when I did these, I already did a Megadeth ranking about a year ago. I did a video version on the old head YouTube channel, yeah. and I believe that was the first time that I ever shouted you out in a video. Was one yeah. of those two? I think it was our, part two. Yeah, our relationship began around that point, and. Um, I went back and actually watched those, and I was I, I thought to myself, okay, I think my problem with that ranking was that I went too personal with it, with how I how I enjoyed the albums and what I felt about them. And so I th- thought to myself, okay, well, this time I'm going to try to, like we've been doing on this podcast, I'm going to take half of that and then another half think about where they started, where they were going, the progression of each album, how each album relates to other ones like where where have they already been where are they now and so my ranking has changed but my number 16 has not uh my number 16 is the album super collider i thought uh, it was (laughs) which came out in 2013 and another thing i know these albums so well i didn't write any notes down i literally am just winging this i went and listened to everything again and I have my thoughts in my head, but I just I figured that this should be more of a of a passionate one for me because I I have a lot of uh, a lot of feelings and thoughts. Um, <laughs> and Super Collider, even though it is my least favorite Megadeth album, I still think it gets too much shit talked about it. 
Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't think Megadeth did a shitty album. I think they did albums that are way less inspired, and Super Collider is definitely a much less inspired album. Now, the interesting thing about this album that I found is that it kicks off with the song Kingmaker, which is very metal, has yeah. you know, metal elements. But a thing that's been happening in this millennium with Megadeth is that Dave... Uh, he writes similar riffs and parts all the time in every album. You'll yeah. hear something in an album that you feel like you already heard it two albums ago or something like that. And Kingmaker is that kind of song where it sounds good, but you go, I feel like parts of this I already heard. And so it's even more interesting that when you go from that to the song Super Collider, the song Super Collider sounds fresh as fuck. Even though yeah. people like to hate on that song, I'm like, no, this sounds like the, him doing something different. Like, yeah. like he had already done, like he already tried to do slightly poppier, more melodic stuff. But this one, it almost feels like it could have been done by some sort of '70s rock band as like a feel-good kind of rock song. It's 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 not even. I would be hesitant to even call it a metal song. It's like a hard rock kind of kind of number. Yeah, but it feels like it could be like a classic rock song. Like yeah. it's got yeah. it's got that kind of feel to it, and so I like that. Unfortunately, the album doesn't do that a lot. Even though mm. it has, you can tell with little things here and there that he was trying to to play around a little bit with what he was doing. But in the end, it all ends up kind of going back to these things. A good example of of, of there's a, there's a riff that Dave does a version of a lot, and it's not just Dave. It's nowadays every thrash metal band for the most part. The the riffs are always yeah. it's always that. It, in a different key or with different notes, but it's always yeah. the chugging with the and then the it's like motorhead. They took motorhead and then yeah. they're doing but <laughs> but it's there's so many of those kinds of riffs from Megadeth and so and like I guess Overkill's really guilty of it too. Um <laughs> There's so many bands that I just I just want to like knock on the door and be like, hey, you're not doing that riff, are you? Because you already <laughs> did it 50 times. It, but I think that you know, it's so I, I feel like in certain respects, uh, the well is 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 run kind of dry for Dave, but he still manages to put things together in a way where you're enjoying it, even if it sounds uncomfortably familiar. Like what yeah. what band did this come from? Um, and so. There's a lot of that on this album, and overall, the it doesn't seem very uh, energetic. This seems like kind of a lethargic album. Yeah. Parts of, parts of it are cool. Like I like the the the, the rhythms, the basic rhythm and the verses for uh, "Built for War." Um, I think it's fun, but overall, you know we're doing a ranking of all of their albums. And all I just keep thinking is that this motherfucker made rust in peace. Yeah. So I can't <laughs> just let, if we're ranking their albums, I can't forget that. You know, I can't, if we were just ranking the albums from, you know, the past 10 years, maybe I'd be more forgiving, but I'm just like, Nope, this, this dude did way better than this album. And so it just ends up here at the very end of the list. It has has things I like on it, but um, this is probably the the most I don't like uh, a Megadeth album. Fair. 
which slides very nicely into my number 15, which is Super Collider. Bam! Now, I have, like, a thing I've never been able to wrap my head around about the artwork. Um, <laughs> someone, people have told me that Vic Rattlehead is on the front cover of Super Collider. Like, um. hidden, hidden somewhere in, like, the dark circle in the middle of the, of the Collider. I can't see it. I've never been able to see it. Maybe you have to, like, increase the exposure or the, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where he's hidden or maybe it's at a weird angle. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't know whether or not maybe you'd, you'd seen it. Yeah. No, actually, now that you mention it, I'm looking at the image and there's the big dark circle and then there's a bigger circle kind of inside of it. And if you look at the top of that big circle, I see what looks like a skeleton head. Yeah, so this I've never really actually paid too much attention to this cover art because I don't think it's very good. It's just, it's just whatever. Um, but now I think I like it more. I, I like the artwork a little bit more because now I'm all like, I don't have my glasses, so, <laughs> so I can't <laughs> totally see. But I do, I do think that there's a kind of a skull head in there. Oh, hang on, I think I see him. He's you see he's, what I'm talking about. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I see him. I'm, I'm also it's looking at it. It's kind of like it. a reflection. Yeah. That's cool, actually. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but it doesn't save the album. No. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to point out, though, in this point with these albums, um, you, you had uh, Sean Drover on drums and Chris Broderick on guitar. Chris Broderick, a fucking fabulous guitar player. Yeah. Um, and Sean Drover's a great drummer, but Chris Broderick, that's the thing is that Dave Mustaine is an amazing guitar player. And so he only has other amazing guitar players playing with him and as he should. Yeah. And so, and Chris Broderick is just one of those, like I, he, I, I saw, you know, live footage during this period or a little bit before this period. And I used to watch, I just watched that guy solo and I'm like, man, he's almost showing up Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <Some of the times>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I guess I'll go into my, guess I'll go into the track by track. So, I've right. got I've got here Kingmaker is a fucking tune. Mm-hmm. Um Super Collider is a fun hard rock song with a so bad it's good video. Um Burn this one is catchy as hell. Burn it, baby burn. This this album starts well. I th- I think it tends to peter off as you get into the mid like into the meat of it. There's a it few really... Megadeth albums like that where they start off kind of strong and then they they kind of start to sag a little bit (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so i've got here built for war is a bit cluttered but still has its groovy bits um off the edge kind of forgettable still megadeth um dance in the rain mustaines now here's here is a technique i have observed from dave mustaine and i have coined it rant poetry and you're gonna hear me you're gonna hear me use that uh term throughout these two episodes because I couldn't think of a better way to describe it okay. than someone reciting a poem like this. Yeah. Really? But um, yeah, Dance in the Rain is Mustaine's trademark rant poem at the start, which goes into a you know, pretty, pretty rad ballad thrash track. Um, Beginning of Sorrow, again, like the previous album, it had like a vaguely Alice in Chains song on mm-hmm. it 
Um, Blackest Crow, uh, spooky southern feel, but not very memorable. Um, I've got Forget to Remember is, is yeah, Forget to Remember because it's pretty generic. Um, yeah, Don't Turn Your Back. And then you get Cold Sweat. If I want to hear anyone cover this song, it'd be Megadeth because in fairness, it does sound like a Megadeth song when they play mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I love both versions. I feel like the album starts well and closes well, but yeah. everything in between is forgettable. Which Cold, Cold Sweat's a Thin Lizzy song for those. Yes. Know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 there's not a lot to say about some of these albums just because they're, they're like, if you're a big Megadeth fan, they're cool. Cause you're getting Megadeth albums, but yeah, <laughs> on their own, it's like, okay. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly move on because we're, we literally have a little, we've, we've created a little X, a crisscross because my number 15 is 13. Hey. And 13 is an album that I really feel like this is one that when it came out, there were songs on it that I really liked. And then going back and listening to it now that there's been two more albums since then and some time with this album, they, they, they don't stand out as good anymore. Mm. And um, like I said, public enemy number one is a great song but when it comes to a lot of these other songs, like I just looking at the titles, I go, yeah, nothing in here is great to where I go, oh, that's a, I'm going to go listen to that song. And none of these are those songs. And this is the one album out of all of theirs that I just think it goes on way too long. Yeah. Like it's almost an hour long. And it just feels real bloated with kind of whatever songs. And that's the big problem. I feel like maybe if... If this was a 10-track album, or you know, shit, even less, if they did eight tracks like back in the day, um, I think I would have felt better about it. But um, the songwriting isn't completely there in this album, um, but, but at least there's a good energy to it, I, I feel. And that might be because you know Dave Ellefson comes back, and I think that maybe they're having a, having a good time together. I don't know. But um, also, like the... The thing that we have to mention, which is unfortunate, is that um, at some point in the early 2000s, maybe a little bit later, uh, it became very apparent that Dave Mustaine couldn't sing the way that he used to anymore. So yeah. he, he used to be able to hit these crazy, not crazy high, but these high notes, and he had such a unique delivery. Nobody, well, I guess no, still nobody sounds like Dave Mustaine. But yeah. I used to love the fact that he could go from, you know, doing something like this to just do this. Like, like the yeah. fact that he would do those kind of things. I used to love that about Megadeth. And people would complain that his voice was annoying. And I'm like, I mean, there are way more annoying voices in metal <laughs> than his. I but, like his kind of like the, especially on the early records, that like high pitch snarl he had to his yeah. voice because it sounded fucking furious and you can yeah. really hear the revenge in his voice yeah and so it's unfortunate when you're when not when you're a megadeth fan and you're a big fan of the early stuff when you hear him singing now and you can hear sometimes he wants to do something but he can't quite get there especially live like live is a don't i mean i feel bad i don't even want to complain about it because i feel bad for the dude 
Because I, ju- I know what that would be like, you know? Like, I can imagine me being in a band, and then at some point I can't sing the fucking songs anymore. I'd be like, what the fuck would you do? I mean, I would still yeah. go out on stage and do my best, but I would be lying if I said I didn't miss that element of Megadeth, because that element of Megadeth is now gone. Just him doing the lower register Dave stuff is not enough, because there used to be so much dynamics to the vocals, and now they're not there anymore. And so... Um, with all of these albums and 13 being also one of them, that's a thing that drags them down for me once again because we're ranking all of them. So uh, that's why uh, 13 comes in at number 15 for me. Right on. Uh, so my number 14, mm-hmm. I think this is where things are going to, they're going to start getting interesting, but okay. not like not like overly unpredictable. Uh, so my number 14 is... The world needs a hero. Okay. So this one is, this album kind of feels like damage control to me, like big time after, after risk, risk. Okay. Um, after he took that risk. And uh, yeah, essentially this is the first album in that lineage of Megadeth that feels like a step backwards. Yes. So I'm, that's I'm fully on board with you with that. Like I like you say damage control, I think damage control has never stopped for Megadeth. Yeah. I think it started here and <laughs> there's been quality stuff made, but ever since then it's just like nope, we're going to we're going to stay over here now. That's the thing like it, they start as a thrash band, get a little bit more into the like heavy metal, more accessible thing veer towards the hard rock and then delve headfirst into like just alternative pop rock and it was like whoa 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 okay maybe maybe let's maybe let's let's not do that let's not alienate everybody <laughs> so um yeah which which i think honestly if for those of you who listen to this podcast regularly that's the makings of a good band if you progress in, in whatever direction you're progressing even if it's something that i don't think is as good as what you did earlier it still makes it a way more interesting discography to me and when you get to that point where you're like oh psych we never did that then that's just you know it it it, it weakens yeah. everything that you do after that and here's the thing i think there are strong songs here but yeah um i guess i'll just i'll i'll just start it off uh disconnect is a song that harkens back to the pre-risk material stylistically especially the tambourine the tambourine is is something that you would hear on cryptic writings Mm -hmm. and there is a uh, as a drummer i really noticed it there is a heavy tambourine presence in this era of Megadeth. <laughs> um, I think Dave just like bought one one day from like a thrift store and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm having a great time." But um, yeah, then you get the title track "World Needs a Hero," which has a badass feel. You know, this should have opened the record, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That chorus is sick. The walking bass in the verses is so cool. Like, not to mention the tambourine appears in in this song too. There's, there's, <laughs> there's two tambourine songs in a row. Yeah. Um, mo, mo, modo Psycho is yeah. dumb in a fun way, which is a key to my heart. You know, a little bit of escapism goes a long way. That that's the that's the one reason why this particular album isn't as low on my list because even though it is the beginning of the damage control, I do feel like their step back 
didn't go all the way back to the 80s, I feel like they're stepping yeah. a little bit to countdown you know, kind of stuff where they're trying to make it heavier, but also still maintain a little bit of that. We're not stuck in this rut of trying to write thrash all the time. Yeah. Um, a Thousand Times Goodbye is, you know, a breakup song, albeit a chunky one. Um, Burning Bridges, standard slow-paced Megadeth. It's pretty much use the man in the chorus. Like, I, I really noticed that, like you said before, ever since a certain point in Megadeth's career, you start to hear songs you think you've heard already. Yeah. And I love, I'm glad that that's not just me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I feel like everyone just overlooks that aspect and I'm all like, no, it's, it's there. That's the thing. Dave really likes to use the chromatic kind of thing. Yeah. And that's a heavily heavily present throughout their discography but to hear this just two albums apart from cryptic writings was a little bit jarring because it was like this is like their alternative lyrics version of don't cry because <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, um but yeah where where was i at where was i at i'm i've got promises is a string laden ballad it's a cool thing to hear from megadeth um there's a very John Petrucci-esque uh, solo key change too, which is which is pretty cool. Um, Recipe for Hate, Warhorse. Dave has this unique delivery a- again, like I like I mentioned with the rant poetry, where he rattles off some snarly poems, and there's <laughs> there's some pretty gnarly bits later in this song. Um, Losing my senses has a cool kind of psyched out grungy vibe to it dread in the future fugitive mind is a tune like another example of ramp poetry done exactly right but um i also forgot the gnarly breakdown with the awesome lead guitar that only sounds slightly like one like the so good um silent scorn is a cool instrumental track uh the snare could have done with some more reverb though like i find with a lot of like late 90s and early 2000s albums they were kind of like fuck reverb that Mm -hmm. shit's been holding us back yeah what we need to sound is like we're playing in a bedroom and it's like maybe maybe not though (laughs) yeah like split the uh, split the difference you don't need to go one way or the other yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, Return to Hangar. Now, this is like a sequel track to the original. It's a fun homage, but will never be as recognized as the original. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then finally closing out the album, you get When. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but haven't you noticed how the entire structure of this song past a certain point after like the acoustic kind of intro part Mm -hmm. put this right next to am i evil and tell me i'm fucking crazy i I think i'll have to go listen to it with that with those ears all of the key changes and all of the little sections line up pretty damn perfect it is like 
it can't be an accident. It yeah. can't be an accident. Honestly, I don't think that the win has ever held my attention for the full nine minutes to where I gave it that much thought. It because that that's it's not yeah <laughs> it's it doesn't wrap up the album in the best way possible because it's not the most interesting nine minute song. It's just kind of, like I say. Sometimes people make long songs because I guess they feel like it makes them seem cooler to do, to do long <laughs> songs. But I'm like, edit that shit down. It's not, not enough happens in it. But yeah. I, I, I heard it and I was like, I was singing the, am I evil lyrics over the top? And I was like, this is too close. This is, this is way too close. Is it's it, can, either. Can, can you get away with doing a mashup? That's, that's two rock songs <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I think that the the thing that I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think the thing that saves this album, um, I actually think the production is pretty good, but the fucking performances, because you got Jimmy DeGrasso yeah. on drums and just rhythmically, like the band sounds really tight on this album. And there's a lot of interesting drum shit that Jimmy DeGrasso does that makes me really enjoy this album. But I guess if you're really talking about songs, it's me, it's not amazing, but... It de- there definitely is that element of, oh, we got to get back to doing heavy stuff now. Yeah. It's like, it, okay, Dave, you made your disco record. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So this is the point in my list where things start to get different for from my last ranking, um, especially with this one, because now I've had more time with this particular album. And my number 14 is the most recent album, Dystopia. Hey, which it's interesting this going here now, because originally my thoughts on this album were some of it seemed like it was it was um, uh, a vast improvement over the last handful of albums, maybe not a handful, just few. Um, but and a lot of people like to say, like, it's a return to form for Megadeth and and it's an amazing album. And I'm like, OK, this is. This is a prime example of what we were saying earlier, where I feel like it starts off really strong and then it yeah. gets really dull. <laughs> it, it, it's like dull music made by incredibly talented musicians. And um, <laughs> is, there, is there elevator music? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. All I know is that the first, especially the first three tracks, Threat is Real, Dystopia, Fatal Illusion, I think are both really strong tracks, especially Dystopia. Even though Dystopia, you can hear that it's modeled after Hangar 18 in the structure and everything, but it doesn't matter because in this particular case, it sounds like a different song and it's got cool enough hooks. Like That's the thing is that I understand that it's hard to be 100% original. In fact, there's no way to do that. But if you take a riff where maybe you're influenced by something or it sounds very megadeth in the riff. But if you add a different rhythm or a different melody over the top or you take a different approach with the vocal melody and presentation, you can make an interesting song and I will be perfectly fine with it. I don't need a band you know, 30 years into their career to be reinventing the wheel. It, I, I know that that's not a thing that happens. But... With songs like Dystopia, the reason why I like that song so much is that that gives me hope that Megadeth could still have a badass album in them if they just did 10 of those. Do, do yeah. 10 songs like that. 
But unfortunately, you get to, I think it's probably more like when you get to bullet to the brain where things start to get a little silly. <laughs> and then post-American world is questionable. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at that point, the album doesn't really come back to the beginning. It's not bad at all. It's, I mean, I, I, when I listen to this album, I enjoy this album, but it, re- it really is, it, it, my feeling at the beginning of it and then my feeling by the end is very different. And so that's why this album fell down on my list because I'm all like, oh shit, it's, it didn't hold up. Like it's, I mean, it's got some great tunes, but so do a lot of Megadeth albums. Yeah. And they just happened to pack them at the beginning. So I think a lot of people were like, this is the best Megadeth album in years. I'm all like, okay, chop those first four songs off and then start from there. How good is it now? It's just yeah. okay. Um, but it's still it's still better, in my opinion, than the two prior to it. So that's why it's here. Um and and apparently there is a new Megadeth album, I think, in the works at this nice. point. Which is great because you know, Dave recovered from cancer. And yeah. that's amazing. And, you know, as much as I talk shit about some of these albums, you know, when a new Megadeth album comes out, I'm listening to it immediately. And I'm yeah. going to, you know, if there's a vinyl, I'm going to order the vinyl. Because there are some bands that it doesn't matter. I'm going to support them probably until they die or I die. Just because some bands are so important in the story of my life that I can't j- just, you know, ignore what they're doing. And Megadeth, even though they're not one of my favorite bands, they're one of those bands. They've they've been there. And so when Dystopia came out, I was pretty impressed with some of it, but the rest of it, I was like, okay, this doesn't seem that far removed from 13-style stuff. I do think the production's better. Uh, the, the overall sound of this album is great. And um, I, I do think that Kiko Luriero, I don't know how to say his name, I, th- but, I think um, you got it right. Yeah, I think I but, think that was it. But Kiko is, uh, uh, as I said before, Dave only plays with amazing guitar players, and yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, but overall, it's just it doesn't uh, it didn't hold up for me, so that's why Dystopia ends up at number fourteen for me. Cool. So uh, that brings me to my number thirteen, uh-huh. which, which is not thirteen. Uh, it is. <laughs> Uh, it is United Abominations. Okay, all right. We're we're starting to we're starting to move apart a little bit here. So this one for me now, I'm just going to jump straight into the track by track. Do it. S- Sleepwalker is one of, if not the best modern Megadeth song, in my opinion. It's it's a it's a good one for sure. It fucking rules. It's a kick ass song, and that no one is safe. When I close my eyes, yeah. I've come to take your life. It just when it kicks in, there's just a certain there's a certain feel to this song that just makes you feel fucking unstoppable. And like it, the rest of this album like has its has its ups and downs, but I feel like this is a this is one of my favorite Megadeth openers full stop, you mm-hmm. know, um in you know, relation to all of their albums. Um, so you got Washington is next. Uh, feels like Iron Maiden on steroids. The the lead guitar melody uh, at one point is essentially wasted years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, 
Never walk alone. Now here here's a thing. Here's another one that where it's like I've heard this before. Never walk alone. A call to arms is a catchy tune, but I'm pretty sure there's like one note different in this riff preventing it from being vortex from cryptic writings. And oh, okay. Like it's it's like the riff equivalent of identity theft. The uh, <laughs> the, the chorus of this song makes up for it though. I really do oh, yeah. love the chorus of, of this song. It is a good one. Um United Abominations intro sounds Oh man, that's <sighs> that's a fucking killer song. Like I feel about United Abom- Abominations, how you feel about Sleepwalker. Like it's yeah. one of my favorites of this millennium. Just I love the way that the the chorus has like almost two different parts. Just because yeah. I, I like the fact that it, when it gets to that second part, the the don't damn it, the truth, I don't like that. Day, when it gets to that yeah. part of it, I'm just like, oh, it's so good. It's so well done. But yeah, it, it's a song that goes places, and I like that. Yeah, this is one of those killer tracks. Um, and I'm I'm just gonna have a have a little little moment here to to plug a, a game we haven't mentioned before, and this is Rayman Two. Oh my the, god, <laughs> the Great Escape. Now, the intro to this song sounds like the Bayou um, music from the there's like a, a bayou stage where you're going through these like swamps and stuff and the guitar intro on this sounds a lot like uh uh the music in that like it's, it's fu- funny enough you're now mentioning a game that i know i don't know if i know that one in particular but the rayman games i played with my daughter when she was younger yeah um there was one i don't know what game it is but it's one where you have to complete all these different games and you're in like an, an arena and you go through different doors and you have to do... Oh, that's, that's uh, Rayman Raving Rabbids. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think, I think so. And, so and, and I was always really good at the ones where you're like in a disco and you have to do the yeah. beat just right. Yeah. And I, was all, I always killed that shit. But everything oh, else, yeah. I was like, man, this is really hard. And so and, and my daughter would always hand me the thing for when you had to shake the remote really fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, so it's like, it's like a game that I, ha- you know, I know I was like, Oh, Rayman, I remember that. Now we're talking about games that even I know. <laughs> yeah. The, the one, the one I'm, I'm talking about this, this goes way back to the PS one days. Cause this one's from the nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going old school, but, uh, Oh man. Oh. It is a great song, and the riff in the verse is tight as fuck, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that song after we've done this, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, Gears of War has a seriously kick-ass guitar and organ is intro. It, isn't there also a video game called Gears of War? There is a video game franchise called Gears of War, and it, 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 was this song yeah. written for it? Because... I don't know. All I, all I know is that every time I hear it, I, I imagine that it was. Because <laughs> it's going it, to... It came out around the same time, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't put it past him for because it's just I don't know. That's this is a sore spot on this album because the album I think it starts off so strong and then it gets to Gears of War and I go, oh come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say like the the best part is that like descending evil guitar organ thing. Yeah, Um, you get blessed of the dead. Standard more Megadeth, standard modern Megadeth. Sorry, pretty damn good. 
Like, that's the thing with a lot of modern Megadeth. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. But, like, it's play for blood, kind of forgettable, not bad, though. Now, here we come at the controversial track of the album, a re-recorded version of oh, A Tout God. Le Monde. Now, that now also has brackets for Set Me Free. Yeah. Um, you and I are not fans of re-recorded material no. in nine out of ten cases, and this is no exception to that rule because I pretty much never revisit this one unless listening to this album, and even then there's a 50-50 chance that I'll skip it. This isn't to take anything away from Christina Scabia or Scabia. It's, it's, it, her oh, I'll, 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 I'll happily take something away because of her. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> because it's, it's, there are so many, I, I, you know what? And I hate that I have to say this because I want there to be more equality in metal. But there are so many female metal singers that sound exactly the same to where I don't know who the fuck they are or what band they're from because they all sound like Evanescence no matter what. And so, and yeah. this is the case where I'm just like, why even do this fucking song? And who is this person? And who gives a shit? What, 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 what um, band is she from? Lacuna Coil, if I oh, remember fuck, correctly. I don't, dude, who gives a shit? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's very nice and she does a she has a lovely voice, but this ruins the song. Not not her. This version is that's it's bad. Yeah, and <laughs> and this the, here are my biggest problems with it. It's uncomfortably faster. It's yeah. a faster version of the song. And it's tuned up a step higher than the original. So in doing those two things, they've stripped out all of the desperation that yes. made the original song click with people so much. Yeah, and it's a, that's, the original's a pretty heavy track, and this one makes it seem less so, for sure. Yeah, like... <sighs> and I don't mean heavy as in, as in metal. I mean heavy as in... Uh, uh, Emotion, subject matter yeah. wise, it's a very, it's a dark song while still being very beautiful. Yeah, and like the original, like what when I hear the original come in, it's got that like acoustic, like real downtrodden sound to it. You know, when when he comes in with the "Don't remember where I was," yeah, like and then. You've got this one, Bernie, don't remember where I was. Yeah, I realized life was a game. And it's like, you, you, you're rushing it. <laughs> you know? I remember where you were. You were writing a good song and then you fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, I just, I hate it so much that um, <laughs> it almost makes me rank this album lower. But I like wow. so much of this album so much that I almost just like to pretend that this song isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't happen, people. It did. It's, it was it, is unnecessary. It was unnecessary. It's a glitch in the system. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's one of many decisions that Dave made in this millennium that I go, come on. <laughs> so there you go. Amazingly, I just got a tweet from Megadeth that uh -oh. just popped up as as my. Uh, <laughs> what does it say? It says. Uh, Eddie and uh, Stephen, please stop shitting on. 
finally we have some power out there for get, for reaching Dave or whoever his representative is on Twitter. Uh, then we get to the, after that one, we get to the hilariously titled America Stand. Yeah. Um, Pretty cool song, though. Oh, yeah. And it's got some serious Mustaine rant poetry on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're Dead is a real groovy one. I like and, that one. And Burnt Ice is a thrashy outro track. It's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this is where the albums start to start to have a collection of songs where I think fuck yeah, there are genuinely five-star moments on it. And, yeah, they, um, really, they really hit something with this album where, where I, I do think that it, it, it feels like this is where the second part of the Megadeth story started to get good. You know, it's, yeah. it's with this album. Oh, man, like, I fucking love Megadeth. Like even even ju- <laughs> even even just these like lower albums, I still find a lot of redeeming qualities. Yeah, which is which is you know a good fucking sign for sixteen albums. But um, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the one thing is that if you look at any other bands that have been doing albums constantly for that amount of time, none of them have all awesome albums. I mean, mm. there are, there are a few exceptions of bands that I think you know put out a higher quality shit throughout their whole career, but it's pretty slim. And compared to a lot of bands, Megadeth is still one of the best metal bands in the world. So, you know, yeah, cool. So that is, uh, that is my number 13 United Abominations. Okay. Well then, uh, moving on to my number 13, which is not United Abominations, but it is, the album that came out right before United Abominations, that album is called The System Has Failed. Hey. And you're going to start hearing me say the same sort of shit. We've already really established that Eddie and I share a similar opinion that after Risk, the band started trying to recover. And... Um, this particular album, I do know it was originally intended to be a Dave Mustaine solo album. And it's, you know, he's got basically just some musicians joining in and uh, playing with him. One of them being Chris Poland. Um, but that, I don't mind that about the album. I don't look at it as like, oh, it's not really a Megadeth album. Because it does sound like a Megadeth album for the most part. Um, my problem with this is the yeah. same. <laughs> that, that's why I'm going to go pretty quick here. Cause it's the same thing with all these other albums that I'm, that I, that we've mentioned where there are some really strong songs and then there are some absolute filler songs played very well by a really great band. So, you know, that's the thing is that you can take kind of a boring track. And if you're an amazing guitar player, you can add some diggy diggies and widdly widdlies on top of it to make it sound a little more interesting. And I think that's what Megadeth have shown that they can do. Yeah. And there are songs on here that I love, but probably my favorite is uh Back in the Day. I really <sighs> like that song mostly just because of the two halves of the song. The first yeah. part having the more the more up tempo thing. And I also like when when choruses go ways that you don't think and there's they they I don't know. For some reason, I, I the way he sings it, the, that was back in the day. And if you weren't there, you know, the, the, just yeah. the way he sings it. I like it when bands add a lot of syllables into choruses when I don't expect it. 
And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it gets to the second part where it kind of goes to a more galloping halftime thing. And it just sounds like a real epic track. And it does, you know, it's him talking about the past, you know, musically. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a really well-written song. But there's a lot of one. You know, Kick the Chair is a great one in here, too. Um, but um, like a lot of their albums, too, you get a little bit further on. And it gets, it gets a little bit monotonous um, for a Megadeth album. And that's why I'm not going to go too, into too much detail, just because it, it's, all, it's all the same sort of thing. If, you, if you've noticed, and you're the same way, if you've noticed, like, all the things that I'm ranking are all in this millennium because yeah. they all have similar qualities of being pretty damn good albums, not great albums, and each one has a different reason why it's not great. You know, it's, it just seems like each one of them is missing something. And this mm. particular one, because it was the one that came directly after The World Needs a Hero, and, you know, I guess that's when, you know, Dave Ellefson wasn't, you know, in the group anymore. Yeah. And I really do feel like Dave really didn't know what he wanted to do. And I don't know if this was around the time that he... Because, you know, when his, when his like, arm got par- paralyzed or wherever to where, where yeah. he had to relearn guitar, which is pretty amazing as a story that, you know, mm. essentially he he fell asleep on a chair or something yeah. with his arm dangling over it, and then he woke up and he couldn't feel his arm. And so he, uh, I think originally they told him he wasn't going to play guitar ever again, so he had to go through therapy and relearn guitar, you know, with the the arm that that was supposed to just be nothing i i guess you know forever so um but i think it may have been right before this album when that happened he may have been writing this i don't know but the timeline necessarily but um that is the one thing that i have to say for for dave say what you want about him because you know he may seem like a dick at times other times especially nowadays his his uh his outlook on politics may seem a little bit uh questionable um <laughs> because it used to be like the government is evil no matter what and now yeah. i feel like he's choosing sides yeah. <laughs> so but maybe i'm just reading him too much into things but um but the, aside, all that aside the fact that he is a person that if you look at who he was and the reason why he was kicked out of megadeth you would expect him to have been dead already You know, he seems like somebody that would have been heavily into alcohol and then, you know, on heroin to the point where he just would never return or either he died or his career just completely falls apart. But he has managed through not only that and having something like this happen where you all of a sudden you have no usage of your arm to, to get past that and now past fucking cancer. So, you know... Maybe he's right. Maybe it's all. Maybe it's all Jesus. Maybe it's. Uh, maybe it, <laughs> maybe he he found religion and maybe that's what it was. Because um, that's the interesting thing is that like he he talks. I read his his autobiography years ago, and he does talk about you know when he became more religious, but um, it, it, it was always there. I mean, there there seems yeah. to be references to God from like maybe the second album, like it re- really early on. There's, you know, you could tell that he's a person that wasn't completely anti, uh, not religion, but anti-faith, you know, which a lot of metal groups seem to shy away from talking about those kind of things. 
Um, so I don't know, but I just know that, you know, as much as we shit talk this, they're still one of the best metal bands in the world. And the dude, the dude persevered and he's still, you know, kicking it. And so I got to give him some props for that. Um, I just don't think that, uh, um, the system has failed is, is that good. So that's why it's my number 13. <laughs> <laughs> Long way to say that. Right on. So I'm at my number 12 then. Number with, 12. I'm on number 12 with Endgame. Okay. All right. So I must preface this one also with a disclaimer. This is the other album that was in rotation during a, a difficult time in my life. Won't divulge, but I managed to set aside any biases I had against against listening to it, and I think I'm finally over it and able to appreciate how fucking good a thrash album it actually is, because I know we said that he hasn't made like a straight thrash album. This no. one, This one's pretty close. It's got a lot of it it's- on here. It's yeah, it's got it's got a lot of a lot of real rhythmic guitar shit throughout it. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was also the first Megadeth album that I owned and if the Endgame shirt wasn't too small for me at this point, I'd be wearing it right now, but <laughs> I w- I would look like I was a sausage casing. So, um yeah, so Dialectic Chaos super fucking heavy instrumental intro great way to open an album just total melodic shred fest and then you get into this day we fight now this last episode we mentioned the 2112 levels in guitar hero warriors of rock yeah this is one of the final boss songs in that game and for good reason because it's hard as fuck to play and Mm -hmm. it's badass fight battle theme fits it perfectly if I remember it right, I haven't played it in like fucking eight years, but I think I think you do Holy Wars and then this one and then you do Sudden Death. So you get three Megadeth songs as the boss fight. Um, but yeah, you just fight this giant um, amp monster or something. It's super goofy <laughs> and fun, but uh, yeah... Uh, 44 minutes is this awesome slow groover yeah. uh 13 20 like there's, brings... a, there's a there's a couple of songs in this album 44 minutes being one of them that remind me of the stuff they were doing kind of around the countdown to extinction time yeah where it's like a mid-tempo um real hooky but still metal but there's like a real hook in there kind of like yeah. kind of like the the you know the songs like uh, Symphony of Destruction, and then um, what's the one on Last Action Hero? Angry Again. Yeah. Like those songs where there, there's a real... Oh, and then later on, you know, songs like uh, Trust and stuff like that. Um, I, I think there's a couple of those style songs. And honestly, I really like those style of Megadeth songs. Totally. Um, like you get 1320, brings the pace right back up with a full-on thrasher. Mm-hmm. Bite the Hand is up-tempo thrash once again, some badass, badass riffage. <laughs> some bad aff rissage <laughs> <laughs> um bodies has like a symphony of destruction feel with that grinding bass which is fucking rad david ellison's bass tone when it's just laying down that he doesn't he doesn't play bass on this album eddie oh shit yeah well <laughs> we got james, james lomenzo on bass 
Well, the it, Megadeth's bass so, bass tone choices in general in general have been yeah yeah pretty pretty gnarly. Uh, yeah, uh, end game we get so, some Dave rants at the start of this bad boy here. Mm-hmm. This way to the camps. Yeah. Um, and and then this song is fucking killer. Um, hardest part of letting go is one of those string laden heavy ballads that Megadeth do surprisingly well later in these modern albums i feel like there's like one song that's got a shitload of strings on it per megadeth album these days mm-hmm. like there's at least one um now head crusher is delightfully over the top you know it, yeah it, it's like it, if any if any modern megadeth song takes the cake for being the thrasher like head crusher like death by the head crusher the head crusher is a good example of of feeling conflicted about songs because if you listen to the to the verses the riff is like it's literally one of those dumb riffs again but by the time you get to the chorus i'm like fuck i don't care i don't care this song is so energetic and so fun and that's fine so it's like that weird thing where i'm like sometimes it doesn't matter you know, sometimes you're going to borrow stuff from yourself or other people and you're going to make something fun out of it. So Head I love Crusher the, is one of those. I love the fact that as well, as soon as you open like the song, it's just straight up chaos right out of the there gate. There are some amazing guitar solos um, from uh, Chris Broderick on yeah. this album. The, and and, and I, there are great ones from Dave as usual, but... There's a few because this was around the time that they did the big four concerts. Yes. Um, and so it's like this album came out and then a little bit later, Dave Elfson came back into the fold and then they did the big four shows. And um, I saw the big four concert in the theater. Like they simulcast it to oh, theaters. Nice. And um, just watching the solos that Chris does, uh, that's what made me a big fan was like, I, I liked what I heard. But when you listen to a lot of these albums, I mean, unless it says who's playing it, you just have to assume, oh, this is Dave or whoever. But you watch him play, and I'm just like, that's amazing. He is, yeah, he's amazing. Another thing I'd like to point out um, about the Big Four shows, I'm going to talk more shit. Um, <laughs> have you you've seen the Big Four like like DVD, right? I've got it. Uh, yeah. So you have uh, a, a fake performance on that dvd oh so um the one thing that everyone in the theater was talking about when megadeth were playing was dave's vocals were awful like you could he could barely sing anything and that's when i started to get really sad i'm like oh man he's really struggling but all of a sudden you buy the dvd shit sounds pretty good overdubs he literally overdubbed every vocal on that DVD. So am I mad at that? A little bit because <laughs> I'm just like, look, you're getting up there and singing. Everybody knows what you sound like. You're still at a killer band. Just be honest about the shit. Um, but I guess he, I guess maybe, you know, you think about there are people out there that probably would be pissed off. Like, why would you put it out if he's not able to sing that well? But I'm just like, I don't know. Once again, I'm conflicted. What's the right answer? It doesn't really matter because it is what it is. The version that most people know is Dave sounding like he's singing really good, but that is not the actual performance from the thing because it was it was rough 
yeah. <laughs> hearing yeah. it in the theater. But, you know, whatever. But that was around this time, the Big Four concert. That was fucking fun, by the way, going to that in the theater and just yeah. seeing these bands. That was also right when Joey had rejoined Anthrax. So it was oh, just... Oh, yeah. It, it was literally just me going like, this is fucking amazing. And Slayer, Jeff Hanneman, still in Slayer at that point, the, the, yeah. the original lineup of Slayer. Like, that is a thing that overall... And then they, obviously you have the big jam at the end with all of the dudes, yeah. um, you know, playing Am I Evil? But... um Man, that is that's that was that was so much fun seeing that in the theater. Um, which I you know I didn't have a chance to obviously see those shows because did they do any big four shows in America? I don't think they did. I think it was in Bulgaria, wasn't it? It was just like, how many did they do? That it was just a handful, but they, I don't. They may if they did one in America, I think it was just like in in California or something, and I didn't yeah. get to go to it. Anyway, I, I digress. But. Um, um, yeah, that was around the time of Endgame, so that's why that's why I interjected that. <laughs> right on, yeah. So that is uh, it's my number twelve uh, Endgame. Yeah, I don't. Oh think you shit! Oh shit! Yeah, we got I've we got, got to how the story ends. Oh, oh, how the story ends is probably the most forgettable song here. <laughs> but I'm glad on, I got to bring you back for this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on the flip side. The right to go insane. Yeah, is that's a good one. So good, and the video of Dave going on that tank rampage from the nineties is so fucking cool. Like, ah, yeah. uh, I think that's based on a real. Isn't there a real story yeah. about a dude hijacking a tank? That's what the footage is. That's what the footage is from. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's um some. I used to watch a show when I was a kid called World's Most Amazing Videos, and it was yeah. just like eyewitness accounts of crazy shit like captured on vhs this was before youtube mm -hmm. um or around the same time when youtube was remember when like the, there was no internet so shows like america's funniest home videos and stuff yeah. like that that was actually a thing wait did yeah. you guys did you guys have britain's funniest home videos over there was there a, a british version we've got I guess one you, called, i guess you i guess you weren't even born when that was a big deal that was early 90s uh, we've got one called You've Been Framed, and that's been on the air since oh, at least 1990, 91 maybe, and that one was essentially our equivalent, and you could send away like a home video and get about 250 quid for uh, appearing nice. on, the, on the show. But yeah, back in the day when you would send a fucking VHS tape <laughs> off in the mail. But yeah, yeah. That, that was... It, that's still going now you know it's just it's essentially youtube for old people at this point though like yeah. it it is just it like people will send in phone footage and it's like the, the their whole market at this point is just solely the old people that don't know how to open the youtube app <laughs> yeah but yeah it's funny to see how it's how it's evolved but yeah that's that's uh we've got one called you've been framed and it's hosted by harry hill I think. Oh, okay. Originally, America's Funniest Home Videos was hosted by Bob Saget. Ah. Um, he was the, he was the, I think he was the original host, if I remember right. Um, I haven't, I mean, I don't know what happened after that. I, I didn't, I only watched it originally, like when I was a kid. But anyway, I don't know why we got funded. Oh, yeah. Because of, <laughs> of the right to go insane video. Yeah. Which wraps up in game for you, right? Hell yeah. Which is your number 12. It is indeed. Uh, my number twelve. See, we're just we're just pinging off of each other because I'm going back to one you talked about. My number twelve is "The World Needs a Hero," hey. which is the first Megadeth album of this millennium, um, which was following the album "Risk," 
which I love the fact that neither one of us had mentioned has mentioned this yet. That's the most hate I get on my old ranking is people being yeah. like, how could you rank anything above risk? I'm like, because you're a <laughs> fucking moron. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, World Needs a Hero. It, it, 2001 is when this came out. And um, Eddie nailed it. That this does feel like it's a it's a, they're they're basically retreating from risk, and um, it's a different lineup from risk. But um, I, I don't know how much of a different lineup is Jimmy DeGrasso. Who plays on risk? Who's the drummer uh, on risk? Let I me go back and look. I the don't drummer think on risk is nope. It, nope. It is Jimmy DeGrasso. So Jimmy yeah. DeGrasso is on both. So it's not much of a different lineup at all. Was um, Marty still on? Was Marty still in the band? And Ri- on Risk, I believe he was. Yeah, right. Okay. But um, so World Needs a Hero, they they turned up the metal. But like I said, when Eddie was talking about this album, they did they didn't make a huge step back. There isn't like thrash metal all over this. No. It's it's almost like they moved back to euthanasia, countdown to extinction, um, type of stuff, which um. Honestly, that's a sweet spot for the band, in my opinion, because you know Agreed. it was still metal, but um, it was still, but it was also had some great just hooks and just I don't know good songwriting in general. Um, and I think there's a lot of that on this album. Um, I do think that my my the strong parts of this album are the performances. I I like the way the band sounds on this album. And the songs are cool. They all have cool parts. That's the thing. I don't think there's one song on this album that I think is a total dud, even though when is a little bit too long. But I think all of them have a thing where I go, ah, okay, that's cool. And so I think that's why this song rank, this uh, album ranks higher for me, because even though it is like, oh, we're going back to doing metal, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, because one of my favorite Metallica albums is Death Magnetic. And you could say that that was them retreating from St. Anger. So yeah. I'm not totally against that idea. Um, and so that doesn't bother me as much because I do think the performances are really good on this album. And it just feels, uh, I don't know, it feels inspired. It feels like, you know, maybe they did take the negativity or I say they, Dave took the negativity from risk and maybe it it gave him a, a little shot in, shot in the arm, you know, to to make this album. So even though it is him kind of turning back and doing more heavy stuff, I feel like it's more, it feels more genuine, like maybe he really wanted to do this now. And now, yeah. it, now I, I'm one of those people that I, knowing what I know about Megadeth, I'm, you know, following them for years, I've read a lot about them. I've read Dave's autobiography, not Dave Ellison. I didn't read his, but I read Dave Mustaine's autobiography. Would you agree that if Risk had been a gigantic success, they would have just continued to do poppy rock stuff? As Megadeth? Or do I think... (sighs) Do you think... Like, like, let's say that the lineup from Risk, that album was fucking massive. Do you think they would have continued making the softer kind of vibe stuff? I think they might have done maybe like two or three more... And then people might have got, they might have saturated their market. So kind of with a, with a name like Mega Death, <laughs> like like it, 
I don't know really. It's 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 a weird hypothetical. Yeah. Because I, it, I suppose. It, but I think most of the, especially people yeah. out there on the internet, they seem to live their life on hypotheticals. So true. <laughs> so it's so it's interesting to talk about. But but when you're talking about the world needs a hero, it, the the question does spring to mind: like, would this album ever have happened if Risk had been successful? Would would Dave had just decided to make heavier stuff anyway? Because you can't really say, because it's there's no. I mean, Dave could say how he felt, but he, how he felt was was connected to risk being a failure. And yeah. so, um, I, so I don't know. Um, honestly, I think that risk stands out more to me because they turned away from it. And, but I'm talking about world needs a hero now. Um, it's, a, <laughs> it's, um, th- this is also a pretty long album, but I, for the most part, until you get to win, um, I don't really feel fatigued by it. I just think it's a really, it's a great metal album not a thrash album. It's just, it's just really well done. And I enjoy listening to this album, even though it is, you know, them returning to doing older kind of stuff. But at this point it, it sounds, it sounds, uh, it, it sounds honest to me. So I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I, it doesn't take away from it for me. So that's why world needs a hero is my number 12. Cool. So my number 11 mm-hmm. is the system has failed. Okay. And I've got a fun kind of childhood story coming up about this album. Story time. Um, but that that'll be that'll be funnily enough that'll be on back in the day. Um, okay. So the album starts off. Blackmail the universe is a much better opener than the one on the record that preceded it. Uh, Die dead enough is catchy as hell. Kick the Chairs, this punky thrasher. Scorpion is a cool, spooky, weird track. Tears in a Vial has some cool chords going on in the riff. Um, I Know Jack is a short interlude kind of track that only clocks in at about 40 seconds. Now here is is I'm With You on Back in the Day mm-hmm. being the best song on the album. Um, and I have a little fun story because I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, because when I was growing up as a kid in the 2000s, there was a Looney Tunes spinoff called Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a one-half century. Yeah, and I've seen the Megadeth thing. It's been a while, but I've seen it. Yeah, and um, the show was essentially a sci-fi comedy with, with Daffy Duck and Porky Pig fighting the Martians in space. And there's an episode where the Martians want to make smooth jazz the only music in the universe. And <laughs> so Doc Dodgers thaws out a cryogenically frozen Dave Mustaine. And this is the song they use to defeat him. And one yeah. of the coolest moments of my childhood, hands down, listeners, watchers, <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it, it's a funny episode totally worth a watch that's duck dodgers the megadeth episode whatever it's yeah. called but yeah they they initially come on as mega duck and they fucking suck and then all of a sudden dave remembers who he is and he's like yeah i remember and then they go into <laughs> back in the day so fucking good that's awesome um, yeah so something that i'm not is uh is borderline funky rocker um 
Truth Be Told is another kind of bouncy one. Of Mice and Men, now this has a really weird chorus. Like, it's got some unsettling harmonies in there that like feel kind of off. Well, it's because you have that one, like he, I think one yeah. of the harmonies he's singing the same note the whole time. And then the other one he's going yeah. um, higher up with each phrase, each word or whatever. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a fucking great song. Yeah. It's, it, there are like these later Megadeth albums are totally worth checking out for these standout tracks. Yeah. Um, Shadow of death. This, much like our thing with Great Expectations, I can't tell <laughs> if I love or I hate it, but it's so goofy I can't help but laugh. So I get, I guess it gets a pass, but yeah, it's a medieval dude doing his his royal ugly dude thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then finally you got My Kingdom, which is a, a thrashy, heavy closer, and um, really, this album to me is the one with Back in the Day on it, but mm-hmm. the, the rest of the material is strong, um, just not as strong as the stuff above it. Yeah. All right. So, cool. yeah. Then we'll move on to my number 11. So we're, we're literally, it's, it, I like how we're, just, we're touching on the same albums. Um, I, there's, a, there's a trend here. That yeah. I, I, which is why I'm all like, I feel like we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, which is always nice. But my, uh, number 11 is the album end game hey. from, uh, 2009. Now this was the first one where I, uh, I fully came back on board with yeah. Megadeth because I kind of fell out around the, the, even when, even with the world needs a hero, um, I, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to Megadeth. I remember hearing songs from it and then it's, the system has failed. I don't even remember when that came out, but, um, I remember seeing a video from the, the never walk alone video from United abominations. And that's what kind of made me start going, Oh, these, th- this is cool. And so mm. it was probably a, a year after that when, um, Endgame came out. And I saw the video for for Head Crusher, and I went, "Oh, okay, okay. I'm 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 back with Megadeth. Megadeth is making fun, and, you know, energetic, heavy music, and I'm down for this." Yeah. And so, um, I agree with everything you said about just this album. Is this feels to me the closest to like a like a countdown to extinction, and just the way yeah. how the, the some of the songs are heavier. Some of the songs are more like we said, the sort of mid-tempo rocker kind of things, and you know, there's a there's a slower track on it. Well, part of the track is slow, um, and it just it feels real, like a real solid album, like from beginning to end. Like yeah. this one is, you know, the way that I feel about the world needs a hero, where every track has something good in it. This one is like that, but also with some standout tracks that you you know, want to go back and listen to a lot. It's not just parts, it's legit songs. You know, like like 44 minutes is pretty great. Bodies, head crusher, yeah. right to go insane. They're 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 just it's a really tight, well done album. And at this point with the band, especially with starting with United Abominations, I feel like they were reinvigorated and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced. It feels like they got back into the swing of writing this heavy shit. And um, 
it, I, I, I really enjoy this album. This is one that I still occasionally put on today. And the, the majority of it, the majority of it, I think is pretty fucking strong. Um, once again, you've got Chris Broderick on guitar and the dude rules. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I don't have a lot more to add from what you said about it because um, I think it's a, it's a good album. It's, it sounds very modern, but, but not in an annoying way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it, it's produced uh, by Andy Sneap, um, who, who has produced a lot of things. Um, but um, An- Andy Sneap was uh, originally in a British thrash metal band called Sabat or Sabbat. Yeah, I don't know how you would uh, pronounce that, but um, <laughs> they're not one of my favorite British uh, thrash bands. Uh, if those of you who listen to my shit know I like some British thrash metal, UK thrash, as they say. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so the sound on the album is really good. So that, along along with the fact that the songs are pretty tight, makes it a pretty damn good album. And so that's why it, it's at number eleven. Cool. So we're we're cracking the uh, we're cracking the top ten. Top ten top 10 now so uh i'm actually you put this one a little lower down i'm i'm mm-hmm. gonna put this one at my number 10 um i've gone for dystopia cool all right so the threat is real is an excellent opener mm-hmm. spot on you know dystopia is a cool melodic metal track fatal illusion begins with this badass crushing chug fest with these yeah. like kind of like things going on Mm -hmm. before going into this barrage of badass jerky riffs um like riffs (laughs) oh death from within is a is a cool grooving thrasher bullet to the brain the riff in that is nasty like i love that um post-american world it's catching and heavy. Um, Poisonous Shadows has a really cool psyched out Eastern vibe while having some juicy, tight double kick riffs. Um, Look Who's Talking feels like a diss track. Like, that's directed at someone. I don't know, like, the the backstory on it. No, nah, me neither. But uh, it definitely feels like a diss track of some some kind that is um, that is a, that is also a song title that i wish somebody had tapped him on the shoulder and been like dave um everyone's just going to think of the talking baby movie when you <laughs> use that title because every time i see it i go oh look remember that movie where, where yeah. bruce willis was the <laughs> where bruce willie was the uh was the talking baby <laughs> oh man i think i've got a double feature on vhs of the fucking look who's talking movie yeah it's over there <laughs> oh my god i mean I, I i really enjoyed the first one but i was also pretty young i think i might have been like 11 or 12 when the first one came out so yeah. I, it was kind of i was kind of the target audience of the you know it, it wasn't like a kid's movie but it was you know yeah it could be enjoyed by younger folks as well as well <laughs> um yeah, I'm a, I've I've got Conqueror or Die is an awesome instrumental track. Uh, Lying in State has some killer riffage. The Emperor is a fun track. The Emperor has no clothes. Um, but to be to be honest, though, that I, I I hate that Dave uses old tropes 
in his yeah. songs. Like the like in another album we talked about, there's the one about the scorpion, and this one is the emperor has no clothes. I'm like, oh my god, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's just we we get it. It's just <laughs> it's so heavy handed sometimes that I'm just like just. Come up with it with an original way to talk about things. You know, it's it's pretty um, on the nose. Yeah. yeah. Um, Last dying wish is kind of a rant poem, and then foreign policy is this punky thrash closer. All in all, yeah, I, I like track. it. Yeah. Ah, yes. I I completely forgot that at the time, but I, 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 don't, I right offhand I don't remember who it's by, but it is. Uh, let me let me look real quick. It is uh, Fear, the band Fear. Ah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, so that's your number 10. We're learning along with the listener. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Each, each, that, that's the thing is that like we, each one of us knows a little something the other one doesn't know every once in a while. So we, yeah. we come out of these things better people and better fans. Um, so- Fishy! <laughs> God damn it. There's a little Wayne's World reference in there for all you. That's all the you, second. You... That's the second Wayne's World reference in this show. <laughs> the other one was really subtle. If you didn't catch it, there was one. <laughs> We're um, gonna have any... to start like peppering all of the episodes with really subtle, deep cut lines. I, I, from... I was. I really appreciated though how in your uh, Black Sabbath Part Two video, how there was a Wayne's World Two a little bit of a nod to Wayne's World 2 in there in yeah. just the way that you delivered a line. It wasn't even a quote, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, okay, it's, it's, uh, it's what's his name, Dale Preston or whatever? Dale Preston, yeah. Dale Preston, yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to do, a, we're gonna do a, an episode where we just rank the Wayne's World movies, one and two, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be like a four-hour episode. <laughs> anyway, so we're on to the top ten of Megadeth, and... Um, my number 10, um, I mentioned this one before. This was the album that kind of brought me back into being a, a Megadeth fan. Uh, United Abominations from 2007. And um, like I said before, I, I, tr- I try to ignore that the re-recording of A Tout Le Monde is on here because I think it drags the album down and it's unnecessary and it's not very good. But everything else on this fucking album, even though like you know, there's a couple moments here and there where I go, ah, this isn't as good, but man... Sleepwalker, Washington's Next, Never Walk Alone, United Abominations. That four-track beginning of this album is fucking yeah. killer. It's so good. And then there's totally. other great songs on here as well. It's just, this is this is the one, the album where I, I just feel like Dave and the musicians he had with him, um, with this point, he had both Drovers in the band, um, Glenn Drover on lead guitar and Sean Drover on drums. Um I feel like they like something happened where they were they were inspired and this album feels to me the the most megadethy feeling album since Euthanasia. Um yeah. I think is is United Abominations. And once again because Eddie goes before me and Eddie does such a great job of breaking the album down that I don't I sometimes don't really have a lot to add. <laughs> Occasionally we do disagree on things, but in this, in these cases, even though our rankings are not in the same order, I, I feel like we're, we, we, we're on the same side of things here. So, yeah. um, so yeah, th- this is my number 10 and it's my favorite Megadeth album of this millennium. And, um, it's the one that I go to the most if I want to hear a more modern Megadeth. Although at this point, that's, that's not very modern. I mean, we're looking at, 15 years fuck i don't know how close to 15 years ago that's the thing i'm 
I'm starting to struggle to wrap my head around what constitutes modern metal these days because, like, I would consider anything since new metal to be within the modern metal realm. But even, I, you know, that's approaching 30 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with modern, my ear, being an old person, my ear goes to the recording style and where bands started to be more obsessed with double kick and um low end well it's that too but not but it's almost like metal not just the songwriting and the performances in the bands but the production everything started to get samey and it's never gone away yeah like bands that are really great all started to fall into this same sort of area uh, megadeth was one testament as much as i love testament they fall right into this thing where everything is this modern take and they don't stray away from this area a lot of bands are doing it but so you know what so i was thinking about this the other day and being an old school metal fan and i i i was getting into metal in the late 80s really into it by the end of the 80s and into the early 90s and I love what bands were doing at the time not just with the variety of songs and how each band sounded unique to the other bands but also they were going for different producers sometimes people yeah. would use the same producers but often you would get two albums in the same year that sounded different from each other and I think that's great now metal overall now there are there are some exceptions there are some amazing modern metal bands and some amazing metal albums and even some of the albums like i mentioned testament testament puts out amazing music it just it it they're doing similar versions of the same album over and over again yeah. still very well done but anyway so modern metal is like somebody somebody is talking to me about food and i tell them that i really like sandwiches and they say cool here's a sandwich for you you'll like this one and it's two pieces of bread with a slice of cheese in the middle of it. And I go, I mean, this is fine, but this is just a cheese sandwich. And they go, oh, okay, well, then you're going to love this one then. And it's literally the same sandwich with a different slice of cheese in the middle of it. Yeah. And I go, wait, though this is still a cheese sandwich. The cheese is just a slightly different flavor. Oh, no, man, then you definitely need to try out this one. And somebody gives me a sandwich that has three pieces of cheese on it. And I'm just like... This is still a fucking cheese sandwich. You've just now put three pieces of cheese on it. And that is modern metal right there. Every yeah. time somebody says, oh, you don't like this band, you should totally check out this band. It always sounds so much similar to the other fucking bands that I'm just like, dude, I don't know what's going on with my ears. It can't just be me that, you know, that everything feels like you're getting yeah. the same kind of shit some played by more talented musicians, some less, some with better songwriting, some less, some with better production, some worse, but they all seem to fit into this little area of where metal is supposed to live now. And if you yeah. go outside of this area of metal, you're a poser or uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea what the, the answer is with a lot of these metal elitist type people but i think i think i might have cracked it you know okay was it, it was my sandwich analogy that did it for you right yeah i th <laughs> i th that that's the thing i i think a lot of bands at some point in the new millennium 
thought to themselves, there is a correct way to do this. Yes. You know, it's it's not, it, it's very, here is how I would put it, you know, it's the tone equals talent mindset. Yeah. Where, where you dial in a tone to the nth degree of what you've been told is the best possible metal tone. But you give this, like, grand knowledge to 50 different bands, right? All of a sudden, they relinquish any individuality into thinking, ah, well, I was doing it wrong. So all of these bands end up sounding exactly the same. Yeah. That's like, there's there's a band, maybe you know their name. There's a band that very recently changed their sound and got way more like poppy. And they're like one of the bigger metalcore kind of bands where all of a sudden they started putting out albums. Bring I don't know the what horizon. their name is. Maybe it is Bring Me the Horizon. They did that. To be fair, sonically speaking, it doesn't sound that much different to me. The style yeah. is a little bit different, but it still falls into the same category yeah. with tone, like you said, and production and everything. So when I first heard that, I go, oh, well, I like it when bands do shit that's different. But then I go, this isn't different enough. This is still them yeah. fitting in another pocket that they, you know that, that it's supposed to sound this way. Yeah. And I think with when when you're dealing with metal, especially thrash metal, modern thrash metal, there are some great modern thrash bands, but I feel the problem is that fans and the problem is now fans are the ones making the music because they grew they they're into into thrash, now they're starting yeah. thrash bands. And so many of these people as long as it's fast and heavy and there's double kick and there's some riffing it doesn't matter what the song is yeah so if you put out an album that's 10 tracks and it's just that all the way through with no variety a lot of these people are going to be like this is the best metal album i've heard since the 80s and i'm just yeah. like what <laughs> why i don't fucking understand so but there's and like i've i've said many times i have no problem with a band putting out an album that is aggressive from beginning to end. Rain and Blood is a good example. But ever, yeah. a lot of bands have those examples of albums that just f fuck your shit up from beginning to end. And I'm fine with that. Follow it up with something else because you yeah. can't do that again. Um, so that, I think that's the problem is that there's too much repeating what you've already done in a slightly different way and everyone just eats it up. And yeah. that's what keeps me from being so excited about modern metal is because most bands... Don't try anything new. And if they are trying something new, it it's it's still trying to fit into some other predetermined template of what you're supposed to sound like. So it's like we're no longer thrash, now we're metalcore, but now you have metalcore rules. <laughs> and so <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of a bummer that 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 nowadays people People feel restricted, and even I've felt this way at times, you know, before I really broke out of it. You know, I was thinking to myself, you know, who am I trying to please here? Because if you if you approach something trying to please everyone, mm -hmm. you please you please no one. And that's the real irony of it. Oh, 
I do apologize for I that. I know have... it sounds funny, but I just can't stand the pain. That was probably the Faith No More version, wasn't it? That was the Faith No More version. I, I, certainly... I, lo- I, I love their version. If you guys couldn't hear, that was Eddie's, was it your ringtone going off? It's it's an alarm I set myself the other day to make sure I make sure I do a little bit of a little bit of a workout. Oh, but, uh, all right. Well, I'll see you later. It's <laughs> okay. I didn't I didn't account for the fact that just this some, episode just get would some be hand so weights and let's just start doing pumping up while we're we're doing our video. It's just really uncomfortable breathing throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and I, I won't release any video version at all, so it's ever, nobody will know exactly what's going on just that we're both really out of breath <laughs> anyway say- where were we what's about the, the the oh the pleasing you can't if you try to please everyone you end up pleasing no one yeah and and i and i find that it, to a certain extent with with music because it does please some but i f- i find that the music that will truly stand the test of time is the music that was bold enough to say no fuck the rules you know yeah and you know what i like i quote um one of my favorite poets whose name is mr lars ulrich hey. and, and that some kind of monster he said i didn't get in the band of fucking rules <laughs> remember that from that part yeah. of the movie that's fucking that's so true yeah like, why why would you get into a rock band if all of a sudden you'd be like well we have rules <laughs> yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's like, you know, I don't know. That's I think that that's we've we've nailed it that it it is there's two there's two I think many it sounds rules. fucking stock. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We'll we'll get to Metallica eventually for sure. Hell yeah. Um but now we're still on Megadeth though. Let's not I don't want to get in the way. So yeah, so that was my number 10 United Abominations, which like I said, it's my favorite Megadeth album of this millennium so far. Uh maybe the next one they put out um will change that for me. I don't know. Um, I'm open. I am open because I am a Megadeth fan to see what they have um, in store. But let's move on to wrap it up with our both of our number nines, starting uh, with Mr. Edward Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I not only did I call you Edward, I enunciated both X's. That's awesome, dude. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so my number nine. It could it could be the most controversial placement. If you're a thrash fan, be prepared to huck your rotten tomatoes at me because this one could sting a little. Um, okay. 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 So my number nine is killing is my business and business is good. Okay. Now this one is the debut, mm-hmm. and we are now in the zone of the nine albums I utterly adore. I know it's on the bottom half episode, but the, this one is, this one is a, is a love. It's, it's still in the top 10. Yeah, for sure. So killing is my business and business is good. This is the debut and it is the most perfect, like time capsule of where Dave was at the time. Cause mm-hmm. this, this is a fuck your shit up album. Because, like, you can tell right out of the gate, he was driving at outdoing Metallica in every possible way. Yeah. Like, like he was thinking, right, speed, technicality, heaviness, you know, ferocity. And 
Pro- production, not so much. <laughs> but in a way, in a way, though, I feel like that also kind of aids it because it's like I'm gonna have it rougher around the edges too. So like, oh, the- I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think that was a choice, but I do like that aspect of this album. I, I like I don't even I don't want to hear yeah. any remasters. I haven't really talked shit too much about remasters, but I'll get there eventually. But. Um, I, even though the the most recent remaster of this album is pretty good, I still love the original. I love yeah. the rawness of it all. We talked about the album cover. I love the original album cover because it yeah. looks scarier than anything else that was coming out at the time because it just <laughs> looks creepy in a low-budget kind of way. Yeah, like Last Rites, Loved to Death is one of mm-hmm. the most ferociously vengeful songs of all time. First yeah. song on the first album is just this flurry of spite and fury and fuck you energy. And like, as is everything else here, but you can really hear the anger driving the music forward because Dave is pissed. Um, and that fucking opening snarl is one of the most frightening vocal takes ever put to tape like that wow and then and then the follow-up the like i couldn't i couldn't even do it because like (laughs) it's it's hard to do like it's such a throaty scream as well like oh it hurts (laughs) it's like i said it's, it's like i said to my friend the other day at work he said, is there a voice that you can do that you can only do once and it fucks your voice up for the rest of the day? And I said, yeah, it's Macho Man Randy Savage and I can get <laughs> I can get one oh, yeah, out before, like, that was only me half trying because I know I've still got to talk. But, like, some of these voices out there, I wonder how they can fucking still talk to this day. I mean, um, with, with, with Dave Mustaine, he can't... He can't really see i mean apparently yeah. he did some damage to his voice uh you know it, it, unfortunate but we do have these great recordings of just how fucking i it, you but you it's it, it's just it's just full-on attitude yeah just coming out of his, vo- his voice all the time for sure like killing is my business and, and business is good carries on the real snarling rage like skull beneath the skin by track three you know that this record is not gonna let up throughout it has one mm. job rip your face off and force feed it to you you know rattlehead is their answer to metallica's whiplash and it's unrelenting i I say that because it's fast it's it's tremolo picked it's up tempo and they also mention the band's name in it yeah it's it's a thrash into megadeth which i think it's like it didn't like all thrash bands have like one fourth wall break song like I mean, I, a lot of them did, but I, I, I yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool. Metall- Metallica is, is easily the, the, the most notable because they refer to, to themselves, you know, yeah. it's in, in the most, you know, in your face kind of way. Like it's, you know, it's not even hidden in anything. It's just we're, we're Metallica, you know? Yeah. Oh man. It, like chosen ones has some killer riffage looking down the cross. It's another killer thrasher. Mechanics is what the four horsemen oh, you, used. You skip. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I, I see what's happening here. Because like I'm still thinking of the uh, this album in the way that I know it, and I'm all like, dude, you you skipped you skipped these boots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting which that. I which I love that cover on this album. I think that that's that makes the original album amazing. Now here's my controversial take from this whole thing. Okay. I 
heard the remaster first. Mm-hmm. I find the These Boots cover with the sensor beep fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I actually, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I actually prefer that version because I can kind of make up whatever cartoon levels of profanity he's coming up with under that beep. It's like, you keep saying you got something for me. Some you got love. But I go, beep. You get it. Beep. <laughs> It's, it's like it's like one of the early South Park episodes where like Cartman would have to be censored, but he would be on an absolute tirade. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good is a fucking awesome album. But yeah. the, the the jump in quality from this one to the next eight, in my opinion, is is pretty high. So yeah. I yeah. I I, to, I can see that. Like I it, it there it, it is a little bit different, but um the the overall just like like killing is my business is like uh, uh you know to use a term that would come later down the line. It's like the ultimate mic drop album. Like the yeah. album just comes out and they drop the mic and walk away like who, who's who's next? Yeah. Cuz like nobody nobody was doing metal like there were other bands doing fast metal and there were other bands that were that were uh you know virtuosic in their riffing and playing but none I, that i remember had put it together like that yeah where it's just i can't imagine i've never tried to learn songs off of this album but i know i wouldn't be able to play it nor <laughs> would i be able to figure out what's going on most of the time i'd probably be like i think that's what they're doing i don't i don't know i've never but, um, ever been able to wrap my head around the verse riff in love to death like yeah. it's just I, got a weird time signature aside from everything else yeah but um, yeah so but so but but i but i could see comparing it to some other other stuff how they they did get better yeah um, but um that's not my number uh Nine. My number nine. I'm actually my mine is going to fit, going to half up the Megadeth story very nicely. Um, normally, I think an album like this would come lo- much lower on a list for me, um, but um, it had to go here. Like what this was what I was talking about. I told you I made a bold choice where I was real iffy on where I wanted everything to go. As I was listening to things, I was like. Do I want to rank this here? Do I want to put this here? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I used this album, and I put it right smack in the middle, and I went, this feels good. My number nine is uh, Hidden Treasures, the um, the album of B-Sides. Um, that's my number nine. That's fair. And it, and it, and it makes, it, it feels right to me because I do, because a lot of, all of the songs on Hidden Treasures are from the 90s. And um, I just feel like they were a better band back then. And so um, even though it is a compilation and not an actual album, so originally on my old school ranking that I did a year ago, I didn't include this because it's not a legit album. It's just a collection of songs. But since we included it on here, I had to put it here because I don't think all the songs are amazing, but um, four of them are. Yeah. Breakpoint, Go to Hell, Angry Again, 99 Ways to Die. Those four songs are so fucking good. Yeah. They should have been on albums. But, you know, Breakpoint was in Super Mario Brothers. 
the soundtrack. I don't even awesome. know if it was actually in the movie. I think it was just on the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> Go to Hell, obviously, was in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, Angry Again was in the Last Action Hero soundtrack. And then 99 Ways to Die was um, in the Beavis and Butthead experience. Yeah. Which, um, that's actually a pretty good comp, the Beavis yeah. and Butthead experience. It's got I've some heard good that. shit on it. Um, but... Um, it, it this had to go here at number at my number one of the first half just because it just reminds me of how great Megadeth were in the early nineties. Yeah. Like as as much as I love Rust in Peace, like you'll hear me talk a lot about how amazing Rust in Peace is, and on my on my YouTube channel, I've talked about it a lot. It's one yeah. of my favorite albums ever made. But the band as a whole in the early 90s were fucking nailing everything they did in my point in my yeah. opinion like not just albums but they would just throw a song on a soundtrack and it's one of the best songs on the soundtrack and so i like that it throws these all together if i remember right originally um hidden treasures wasn't an, a standalone release it actually was an extra cd that came along with euthanasia oh. certain, originally it, it wasn't its own thing at first Wow. You would buy euthanasia. I think it was. It may have been um, a European version or something, but I used to have. I actually used to have the CD that had hidden treasures, and it has a different cover art and everything. Uh, That's for cool, the hidden treasures dude. Part. But um, and then of course the the end of it, um, the last few songs, the paranoid cover. I, I just get bored with hearing Black Sabbath covers. Same thing with <laughs> Problems. I get bored with hearing Sex Pistols covers. Although I like both of those bands a lot. And then the song um, D- "Diadems" is that even how you yeah. pronounce it? Um, I like that track. I just don't think it's as I don't think it's as strong as the four previous ones. And same thing with "No More Mr. Nice Guy." It's a it's a fun cover from the movie Shocker. Um, <laughs> but um, those for the four tracks I mentioned previously, that's why this thing goes up to the top of my first half because I love all four of those songs. Um, but once again, it's a compilation, but it is, it's, it's a nice sort of, especially now when you listen to it, it's kind of a, like a little, a little putting a little period on that, you know, part of the band, um, yeah. with all the shit that they did. But so, I mean, as you can see that they're not there when it comes to, well, I guess when it comes not not really, no, we're, we're, we're a little bit different. We varied a little bit because with me, there's now a definite line drawn between, the the eighties nineties and everything after. Well, no, I guess yours is yours is too because you. We already talked about all of the, yeah, all of the two thousands Megadeth albums. So clearly, we both agree that um, earlier Megadeth is better Megadeth, which I don't think that that's a controversial statement at all. I I I, I know there are people that really like the newer stuff that they do, and like we've said. A lot of their newer stuff is really good, but yeah. when, you, when you're doing a show like we do, where you're really trying to pick apart where albums are going to go in a ranking, when you're ranking absolute classics with pretty damn good albums, um, you, you got to make a choice. And like I said, yeah. once I once I put this one here, which completely separated the newer stuff from the older stuff, I went this this feels right. Now I'm not, I'm still not 100 percent on what my ranking is going to be for the next episode. Because <laughs> um, that's hard. Yeah. And um, 
even now, like, you know, like some of the rankings that I, that we've already done and the ones that I did in the past, I'll go back and look at them and go, yep, I still feel the same, but this one is not one of those. Um, Megadeth is an interesting band because you do some albums feel and sound different depending on what's kind of go, what, what you've been listening to, what's going on in your life. Um, what has happened, like you feel differently about music as it goes on. And uh, Megadeth have a, especially in the eighties and nineties, all of their stuff has, it's, it's an interesting listen because it does have qualities that some stand out immediately. Some don't show up until multiple listens later. And then some are ones that as you become familiar with their music, those are the things that you start to really love about their stuff. So um, next episode will be, um, there will be shit talking in the next episode, but it will not be because of original versions of the albums. (laughs) (laughs) It will be be because of the remasters. And um, I won't say anything now, but um, it's going to, it's going to happen. I can't talk about the old school Megadeth albums without, ranting about the remix remastered versions <laughs> but you know that we'll save that for next time because this time I, I like that we've wrapped this up this way where we we literally drew a line boop, and now we're gonna move into what i consider pretty goddamn classic territory with yeah you, you have anything to add before we wrap it up um no nah, not really i think we've we've, <laughs> we've 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 really covered it on this one i, I think there's a clear there's a clear consensus here that you and I both agree that there's a pretty clear dividing line split right down the middle of the discography at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll talk more about it in the next episode, but um, there's, a, there's a big reason for that. We've touched on it a little bit here, but um, yeah. But I do, I do feel that I feel like we were respectful, <laughs> especially yeah. because the, you know Megadeth is one of your favorite bands. Obviously, we're giving them the uh, the the respect that they deserve as one of the best metal bands ever. Well, that's the thing, you know. We we never said that there was a there was a stinker album. Yeah, it's it's all just no. it's all just varying degrees of of good leading up to pretty fucking perfect <laughs> so, some, some would agree that there is a stinker and we didn't talk about it today <laughs> <laughs> um so that's clearly we don't fun. feel the same way yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah all right well let's wrap it up i think we've already fully passed the two hour mark on this episode yeah i know some i know some of you like the longer form discussions and um i have a feeling that the next episode the second half of megadeth will also be um pretty lengthy yeah but um but yeah once again uh peanut butter platypus to all of you who are still uh (laughs) listening to (laughs) this all the way through and um yeah i always have to thank everybody because it's just it's it's amazing that we have an audience out there yeah um, means a lot lot to us yeah a lot of you are are a majority of you are incredibly cool about everything and you're you're you a lot of you are clearly people that just love music as we yeah. do. Um, some of you are kind of dicks, but you, know, you just have to deal with that. <laughs> All walks of life <laughs> have them. Not, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but most of you, most of you are pretty classy. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the end of uh, episode one of our two-parter Megadeth discography ranking. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube on the uh, old head 
channel. Uh, go ahead and put some comments about what, how you feel. Um, what are your top? Bot, well, no, what are your bottom nine Megadeth albums? Or um, just say something stupid, and I'll delete your comment. Because <laughs> that's not, I'm not wasting my time with uh, idiots anymore. So um, yeah, <laughs> on that note. For those of you who aren't idiots, we love you. Thank you for listening, and we will see you all again probably in another week with part two. Eddie, take us out. Later, kid.